Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tandem Coaching Academy's Keeping Agile Coaching Non-Denominational Podcast. And today we have a very special guest joining us. It's Lisa Atkins. And if you don't know who Lisa Atkins is, just stop listening right now. No, keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> and we are your hosts today, Sheree Silas and I, Alex Kudinov. Lisa, it's really good to have you today. And... Um, my first question to you is, everybody in Agile space knows your book, knows your work. And you've been put on this pedestal of mother of Agile coaching quite some time ago. Been standing there, how does it feel? It's um, not mine. And sometimes I'm put there and that's okay. I'd rather have someone occupying that space who's got the, per the pers perspective and the position of serving the whole. And what I notice is that um, over time, the, the work of advancing agile coaching is, has been fanning out to many, many people. I'm not the one advancing agile coaching anymore. Sheree Silas is mm -hmm. and lots of other people. And um, I think that feels really good. I think that's what we need to, to do is just continue advancing together. And if it serves people that I am and my work is an entry doorway and that somehow has them go, oh my gosh, she's a model to follow. Great, let them follow a model. That's how I learned my hardest mind and heart shifting skills was by following a model. And so as you are observing this ever-changing landscape of agile coaching that you helped to ignite, you helped to start, what do you like and what don't you like particularly about it? I like pretty much everything about it. I think that we are, we are serving our teams, we're serving our organizations. I believe more of us will be serving our communities and our world um, the best we can with the situations we're in. So the thing about agile coaching is that we enter a situation and it's already there. It's already there. You know, the water has come under the bridge. There's lots of hard feelings. There's this belief, there's that thing in the way there's, you know, all of this stuff. And, you know, unlike methodologists who, who want to sit around and talk about questions like, well, what's the right approach? Is it approach A or approach B? I'm like, I don't know. I get in and it's approach hybrid A and B and we go from there. So I think that to answer your question, we're doing the best we can and we need to just continue honing our skills so we can continue meeting the challenging situations that we get presented with because we're not in control of how they get created. It sounds like you're very responsive in your work. And that makes me wonder um, what role the learning of professional coaching had in the way that you actually interact with people. Well, professional coaching changed me utterly. Uh, people who knew me as a plan-driven project manager and people who know me now, there are very few of those people. <laughs> it's been a long time, but, but they, um, they see two very different people. And I think actually my husband is one of those people. And I think what he sees is someone who is more her real self now. 
you know, and I think that that's a journey a lot of people, um, you know, and a little meandering pathway on the journey a lot of people end up taking when they encounter professional coaching is they get permission to be themselves. And then finding out that them that being themselves is actually the smartest, most strategic, safest thing they could possibly do when it felt like the diciest. I know that my journey, um, the time I spent from the day I heard about professional coaching till the time I finished my first couple of rounds of training, I was a completely different human. I didn't yep. know myself anymore, or maybe I knew myself and realized that I never did before. So um, I guess, what would you say about, I guess, the, the journey of professional coaching and how that connects for people who consider themselves agilists? Why would they even want to do that? Well, people who consider them at, consider themselves agilists are likely to run into many situations when being smart about something isn't actually going to change the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and and you'll feel it. An agilist will feel it when it's like the third or fourth case study they've brought, and still the other person hasn't changed their mind, or, or they've tried approach A, approach B, approach M, approach N, and still the person is not moving. Even though they say they want something, they're doing something different over here. So those are situations where more mentoring, more teaching, more convincing, more controlling, all of those uh, tactics are going to fall short. And so if, if an agilist, if you're out there and listening to this and you're going, oh, gosh, that's what's happening to me, then you might want to look into professional coaching school because that's the skill set coaching and facilitation are both from the the body of work that says you don't have to know about the content to be extremely exquisitely helpful to other people in helping advance their movement through their situation or their content. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's how people know whether or not professional coaching is something interesting to them. And one of the things I like about the professional coaching world is that most of the schools are set up that there's a taster class at the very beginning. <laughs> You know, it's like, if you go to this three-day class and you hate it, you can never come back again, but you will have gotten something useful, you know, because it's, it's just a, a bite size unto itself. Um, but it also can open big worlds and to tell, to help people know when they're ready. Yeah. You know, when I went to organization relationship systems coaching school, I, that, that taster, that three-day taster, I was like, whoa, 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 that's not for me. I was not ready. I didn't come back for two, three more years. Yeah, we do something similar. We um, have what we call Discover, Discover Coaching. And it's just like a 10-week program where you we meet weekly and you get in and figure out if this is the right thing for you. And if nothing else, you'll leave with some better communication skills and coaching skills that you can bring to your, your job. Yeah, I think at this, at this stage in the game, pretty much everyone, not only people doing Agile Coaching, pretty much everyone have to bring up their level of skill in listening, self-management and inquiry. Mm-hmm. Everyone, because we're no longer in a situation where it's like, oh yeah, there's a problem, there's a solution, let's go. Yeah. If we were in that world, we would have so many things quote unquote solved. What we're in is a world of messes and it just takes a while to clean up a mess. You know? So any number of things might you know, start to clean up the mess a little bit, but probably no one thing is going to quote unquote solve it. And so we need a lot of, 
we need a lot of people in it together to figure out what's the next wise step to take in this mess. And so one thing uh, I would add to that um, is professional coaching is all about awareness. And um, it, was, uh, it, it was an interesting study, uh, a survey of C-level executives, and they actually named awareness, awareness of your surroundings, of yourself, of your behaviors, uh, the top skill for the C-suite these days. I'm so, happy to hear that. Yeah. And well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, an, another question what they do about it, right? Uh, so uh, I'm curious. But, uh, but awareness about awareness is first. <laughs> I mean, come on, Alex. Yeah, let, let's let's give him some props, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like unconscious in, unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's the step. That's a step. So uh, as agile coaching community kind of gets from that unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence, uh, what do you think professional coaching skills uh, would give those who are already good at agile coaching as it's practiced today? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing that professional coaching skills give agile coaches who don't already have this skill set, um, and there are fewer and fewer of those, more and more agile coaches I encounter are already um, quite deep into professional coaching skills in one way or another. Um, doesn't mean they're good at them. It's just, this is the important thing too. So we just talked about conscious incompetence right now, right? And so the thing about professional coaching skills is that unlike other knowledge, it's not like you read it, you got it, you move on. It's like you read it, it upsets your entire world. You have to reorganize your identity and come out the other side and then practice your ass off. And then eventually you get good at it. I mean, so I think this is why this is this skill set is quite different. You'll stay in conscious incompetence for a while. But that's okay because the cool thing about professional coaching skills is that if you are doing it with the other person or the, or the team or whomever you're working with in charge, in control of what happens, you can't hurt them. Mm. Right? Very unlike mentoring, you actually can hurt people by the forcing of your point of view and them just swallowing or getting tired of dealing with it and saying, fine, I'll do it. Um, so so while you are unconsciously incompetent, don't worry, the incompetence is okay as long as you keep the other people in the driver's seat. Yeah, trust the process. Absolutely, yeah. Trust, trust the process is the mantra. <clears throat> so I'm wondering, uh, we talk a lot in Agile community about uh, the differences between fixed mindset and growth mindset. Um, how do you keep that growth mindset? And what are you still learning about coaching skills um, as you keep developing? So for me, I'll, ask, I'll answer the question for me. I, I'm not sure if you mean, when you said you, if you mean like the grander you or you, you Lisa you Atkins. Lisa Atkins. Yeah, so as me as an individual human being, um, the growth mindset uh, gets presented to me again and again because I feel places where I am incompetent. And one of those places this year was just how much trauma we are going through as a human species right now in our first truly, truly global pandemic that has touched every nation um, and the political upheaval and the struggle for equality 
that has been too long in coming, all of these things, right? So all those things in the backdrop and my inability to have conversations with people who I hold dear in my life because they're holding a point of view that I find abhorrent, right? So this is where I run into my conscious incompetence as a coach, like, holy crap, all of a sudden I'm in situations where I, I don't have the range to hold what people are saying. I don't have the range to continue to uh, turn judgment into curiosity and enter their world, you know? Um, and I don't have the skills to work with people who are experiencing significant anxiety. And so one of the, uh, the outlets that I have for learning is the Coaches Rising group. And I really, really love their uh, productions. And one of them is, that they did was called the power of embodied transformation this last summer. And so I think that's about a four month course. I mean, it's pretty intense, uh, 90 minutes every week, four months. And they bring what I consider to be the best of the best of people in the professional coaching world. And it's like these little tasters or these little vignettes. And so we touched into trauma informed coaching. We touched into somatic, we did a lot of touching into somatic coaching in different, um, different ways and different philosophies. And so that has been really informative to me in ways I don't really quite know yet. I know my practice is influenced by it, but I, I haven't, I have not practiced those particular skills enough to, to say, yes, I'm now a trauma informed coach. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm still practicing, but I know they're important. Yeah. So I, I agree. This world we're in right now is it's, it's a mess, right? And I do see where some of the skills um, and competencies we know as professional coaches are helpful, right? They, they give us the ability to open up conversations and to <clears throat> be curious rather than being judgmental. And yet, I don't always know that I have enough emotional intelligence to handle what's in front of me. I do realize that over these past few years, I'm realizing things I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, who I am as a coach has really helped me in being able to just kind of live through that, through that experience. For sure. And um, yeah, I, I don't know, what about you? How's that been? Um, this last year has been hell. I mean, in a nutshell, um, there have been, a, uh, you know, I can look back and find all kinds of silver linings. I can see all kinds of growth that's happened for me. Um, I can be so grateful for my privilege that I have a roof over my head and I'm not worried about food, which is not true for so many people right now. And um, so all of that said, um, I have been keenly feeling the tremendous suffering we're going through as a human species. We really are. We really are. And, um, and I wanted to be really clear of how much of that suffering I could hold in my coaching work and how much of it I, I need to refer out to other people who are specifically skilled. Mm -hmm in helping people work with that. And, you know, cause, cause what happened for me, <laughs> apropos of this, Shuri, what happened to me is in that power of embodied transformation class, it was coaching for me. 
Yeah. I mean, basically, <laughs> I got on every week and I learned some skill or some process, but, but being led through the process myself was allowing me to process all of this emotion, all of this fear and worry, all of these very low vibration um, emotions I was, I, I was and have been stewing in. So now I've gotten so much better at processing those in my body. So between that class, between my Zen practice, between my movement practice, my practices have significantly increased this year just to keep on an even keel, just to keep open and functioning. Yeah. And so the same stuff, I think, well, I know we're, we're full humans. So we go into the corporate world, we go into the office and um, we carry that in with us. And the, I think the organizations, people in the organizations, they recognize agile coaches and they're like, yes, you're a coach. I'm going to go to you to talk about everything, not just agile. And so what would be, I guess, the words of wisdom that you would have for Agile coaches as they're dealing with this, this tough environment in the corporate world? I think my biggest word of wisdom is know what you're there for and design a very clear alliance around it. Mm. Because it's a very dicey thing to be a professional coach, have those skills, be in an organization in an Agile coaching position and let's say the organization views that as, oh, you're going to help my teams deliver better. Let's say that that's the perhaps unspoken expectation of why you're there. But yet you have this whole big tool bag of professional coaching skills and, and, your, and your beingness, your ability to handle such a range of human experience has people disclose lots of things to you, mm -hmm. right? But you might not be there to be their coach to be their personal coach, mm. to be their career coach, to be their agile coach. These are all very separate things. And so I think, it's, I think that the skill of designing an alliance on the way in the door and then continually as things happen is, is the thing I'm finding the most useful in my practice and the thing I'm finding that my clients don't tolerate very much. So I have to really sort of muscle them into that conversation to begin with. Um, I don't think people are used to talking about how we want this to go and where are the boundaries and expectations and through the conversation, oh, I just discovered an expectation. Let me tell you about it. You know, people are not used to that in the moment sort of thing, but I think it's super important because I might, you know, I need to, I need to tell my clients, for example, if you want me to coach the whole person, it's possible that we're going to be talking about them leaving your organization. So how would that go for you? Yeah. No, like really, let's talk about that. You know, these are things people don't think about. These are things hiring managers don't think about. Yeah, so it's fascinating how many different perspectives professional coaching brings to the world that we got used to operating in. And um, so I'm wondering, so Lisa Atkins is known for and I checked 11 years in May when the first uh, issue of Coaching Agile Teams was published. If you were to write version two right now, what would you have included that is you think is sorely missing from that book? Well, I did, but I did it in a series of podcasts. Because when I 
when I um, when I decided about this time last year, I started to get the idea of, gosh, the world is not done with this book. And then it was just coming up on its 10th year anniversary, Alex. And I was thinking, why is it selling more in this six month period than in any other six month period before? Like, I just don't understand that. And there's a way in which I just want to like close the bookend on this and sort of move on into my own endeavors. But there's also a way that the world is not done with this book and this content. And I think of it as just a really useful early first book, right? It's shocking enough as a first book. There's more shocking to come, but it's shocking enough as a first book, right? And so when I got the bright idea that I want to record this audio book and the publisher said yes, then I really looked at the book and I, and I really challenged myself. Do I need to write a second edition before I record this audiobook? And the answer was no, because we're still working on every single thing that's in this book. Hmm. We've not we have not gone past any of it as a community. Right. You know, and so it's just, it takes a lot longer. Plus there are new people coming into our agile community all the time. And so they're starting, you know, from not even hearing about professional coaching. Right. So, Alex, what I decided to do was record that book as is, because that book is doing its work in the world. It's functioning as intended, I guess is one way to say it, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, the, the art and science of agile coaching has progressed quite a bit in 10 years. And so what I, what I decided to do was sit down with Leslie Morse and the Women in Agile podcast. And we recorded a podcast series that covers 10 topics. And what I do is I point to the thought leaders in those topics and I say, go learn from them. So this is a way that I'm pointing to like, uh, you know, when someone assists you in soccer and you make the goal, you turn around, you point to the person who assisted, right? Give them kudos, give them their appropriate place because without them, it wouldn't have happened. This is a little bit different. I've left the field and I'm pointing to other people going, hey, they're still on the field. Look at them. Right. And so we talk about, for example, um, systems coaching. I point to Cherie. I say, go look, go look at what she has done, bringing in systems coaching into the world of agile coaching, more specifically with the Scrum Alliance and that whole path of mentorship toward the Scrum um, team coach and the other certifications as an example. So that was my decision is to point to others. And before I go to your, and the more shocking things are coming and we'll <laughs> definitely go there because look, shocking things from Lisa Atkins are shocking and exciting. Um, so it sounds like you are ready to move on. And it sounds like you are thinking about other things there. And it sounds like you will be pulling a lot of people. A lot of people will follow you. What will they need to know before they are ready to follow you into your next stage? I have no clue. Because <laughs> I just don't know what that next stage is. And more than likely, um, it's going to be much more of a collective effort than an individual effort. Um, I look back at the Coaching Agile Teams book and that was very much of a Lisa in the universe are creating this thing and we're bringing it into being and boom, here it is, now let's move. Um, the, the, what's happening to me now 
is that I am awash in a very large um, context of how in the hell are we going to advance the human race so we don't annihilate ourselves or so that we don't have to just retreat into uh, horrible warlike tribalism, right? So um, that is certainly not going to be something that is more of a universe and least go off and create and throw something on the world. That is going to be something that I need and other people will need. We'll all need each other equally to figure it out together. And so as you talk about that, uh, I remember that soggy model, which starts with individual go to groups, then goes to organization and those goes to society. And what's coming up for me is that you graduated from groups, mm. graduated into organizations. And now you are looking at the society as the whole and what the skills you are bringing to that new endeavor, new fight, whatever you call that. So what are you seeing there that we as agile community might not yet see? Well, I think there are plenty of people doing a lot of really good work um, to deal with our planetary issues, which are going to become more, I think it's going to become more evident to us that they really are planetary and they are beyond national boundaries. I think the pandemic is sort of the first um, that's waking us up to, oh, holy crap, we really are interconnected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You know? And so that, that is a whole new consciousness for us. That's a new, that's a new thought to be arriving to a lot of people at one time. Um, so I would love it if people who are good at dealing with change that is pervasive, perpetual, exponential, exhausting, you know, people who know how to do that, agilists and professional coaches, um, could start to put our feelers out in the world and go, okay, if we're going to participate in helping there become a more thriving and just and sustainable, maybe even regenerative human presence on the planet, what will we do? Where will we go? What will we invent? Who would we join with? What needs to be done now? These are all questions I don't have answers to, but I do know that there are millions of us already distributed all over the planet. I mean, you think about it. If, if I were to sit up there as like some, uh, some evil genius and go, so how could I create this community of people all over the planet who can deal with persistent and really difficult change and then think that's gonna take decades to do that? Well, that's a, that piece is already done. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And in the midst of that, we are very resilient and I think have shown ourselves um, to be able to just pick up the pieces and keep on going in the face of everything, you know. Um, and, and I guess I'm wondering for you, what part this world of coaching has brought to your own personal resilience? Well, I think I appreciate the reminder that we're resilient. 
Sheree, actually. Um, I tend to uh, go into the dark night of the soul like amazingly quickly and dive in there and wallow around in there maybe a little bit too much and forget that I actually am resilient. Yeah. <laughs> um, but clearly I am because, um, because I'm thriving. I'm mm -hmm. still thriving through this, even though it's tough as hell and I don't particularly like a lot of it. My business is thriving, my family is thriving, I am thriving, I'm growing, we're all, we're all moving forward. Um, yeah. I think resilience is a daily replenishment activity mm. for me. And what's come into it recently, and this sounds strange in the face of so much that's dire, but what has come into it recently is the role of innocence and play for me. Like, I really don't prioritize play and fun and joy. I don't. And that has been a real detriment to me. And when I, when I can prioritize play and joy and fun and sort of being more in the flow, everything goes a lot better. So it's a conscious practice for me to pick up those essence energies and inhabit them while I'm going about my day, doing my work, whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned your family and I'm gonna ask a question that's like way in left field. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've been doing this for over a decade. You've been doing it way longer than me. My family has no clue what I do. They actually claim that I work for the CIA or something. I mean, they literally have no clue. Um, <laughs> um, and, and so they, my, my youngest daughter does tell people I work for the CIA. She says, we don't know what she does. She goes places. We have no idea. And she keeps getting paid. So she must work for the CIA. <laughs> so I'm wondering how your family has embraced and understood this world that you've been a part of all these years. Yeah. So often I wish that my family members could be flies on the wall in a class that I'm teaching or in a boardroom where I'm when we were in physical space, but in virtual boardroom now when I'm working with executives, and which is more the case of what I'm doing these days, I would love for them to see what it means to be able to interject into a conversation that's going on from a totally different perspective and to help draw everyone up to the pattern level of the conversation so that they can just have such a much better chance of having a generative conversation, making a good decision, whatever. Um, I think over time, there, there's enough of me out there in videos and all that sort of thing that my family has watched those things. And so over time, they get a sense of, of the topic areas that I'm involved in and what I talk about. Um, and my husband and my daughter are very, very receptive to, um, to coach like things. I will not say that I coach them I'm, because I too much of an opinion. Really I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good at coaching my family. I don't, think, I don't think it's a recommended activity actually, but things like designing alliances, mm -hmm. things like being clear about needs, making clear requests, um, asking for help, like those things, um, we, we definitely use the professional coaching skills in our household. And my daughter who's 23 now will, will be very clear with me um, that she, if she wants coaching or advice. You know, and we, we design alliances about 
everything. It is not unusual to hear my husband say, so before we blah, 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 let's design an alliance around those. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Now my mother, as soon as I move into anything to try to improve our conversation or our communication skills, she'll say, don't do that agile coaching thing to me. <laughs> and, and in my mind, I go, it's not even an agile coaching thing. Come on, mom. Like, communication. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she's mom and she probably knows her daughter best. <laughs> from a certain perspective yeah but i think all children supersede their parents and uh, their parents don't really know the totality of them mm -hmm. and um in this world that are, that is stressful uh that is busy uh and uh, i cannot imagine how busy you are these days and always um what are some self-care tips you can give to as a agile coaches that work for Lisa Atkins? So I'm not busy. So I think that's the first self-care tip is that I have finally encountered what is sustainable pace for me. And there are times when I choose to go beyond that, but those are small blips in time now versus going beyond it all the time, which was my norm. And one of the, one of the self-care things that has helped me do that is that I've been using the personal agility system for the last hmm, three years. I think it's week. I can look real quick. It's kind of funny to see what it is. It's week, it's week 122 of using the personal agility system. And, and that starts with the, the question of what really matters, what matters most, right? And the number one thing that matters most to me is what I call ample time. And that's to have ample time to take care of myself and my family and ample time to do everything that I'm doing well. I, I really get quite nervous and beside myself and um, over time very surly if I am doing too many things and I feel like I'm not doing some of them well. So because I've been following because I have this category of ample time, you know, things that are in the self-care bucket count. They mm -hmm. count. They count as part of the work, right? Because they are on my list next to the record the podcast with Tandem Coaching is yoga and meditation practice, you know, and I ticked, I tick off. How many times a week do I do the, the yoga and the meditation practice? And so that's part of it. And I think that I, for me, for someone who is um, a successive achiever, for me, I have to have something in my face that, sa that says to me, wait a minute, you wanted ample time. And so this helps me do that. So Lisa, um, plenty of people in this industry look up to you as a mentor, even from afar, you know, they, they really see you as someone that um, can contribute to their lives. I've been blessed to be able to know you and actually interact with you and see just the humanness of who you are. And I'd like to hear you just kind of give your wisdom. Give, what's the words of advice that you would give people in this industry based on your experience? 
There's a quote I often say, and I'll start with that. That's not new necessarily, but I think it's still really important. And it's on my refrigerator and it says, um, it'll be okay in the end. Mm. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Oh, I like that. And I just, I really, I love that because I think that's maybe where the piece of advice comes from is that none of this is forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the things you love are going to fall away. The things you dislike are going to fall away. None of this is forever. Like every time we get fixated on something that's not right, something we want to be different, something we want to change, it's perhaps our fixation with that that keeps it around longer. Perhaps it would flow through if we were to ask instead the question, what's the lesson this thing is trying to, to show us? If it were a teacher, what would it be saying? You know, or, and we were talking about awareness, you know, before on the podcast. You know, so what is the exquisite awareness we can bring to what is? Um, and so it's this grasping. I, I now, I'm now realizing it's the Zen influence, the Zen lessons that I've been doing for years now that's coming in here. It's the grasping that we do around situations and people and states of mind and states of being that we want it to be a certain way and i think i think if if we're not learning the lesson through this pandemic that nothing is permanent mm -hmm. we should start paying greater attention to that lesson um and so there's also the wonderful side of that is that if it's not okay right now chill out it's going to change <laughs> you know don't grasp so hard and maybe it'll change even faster, you know? Yeah. <laughs> maybe just by the fact that you're grasping it, you are delaying its going away. Very likely. Very, very likely. I mean, and this is true of emotions too. I mean, I used to, this year I have really expanded my ability to process emotions through my body. I didn't know this that if you allow yourself to fully feel an emotion, it flows through in about 90 seconds. It's not a long time at all. But we get into this recapitulation of emotion, thought, thought that creates the emotion, emotion, thought, thought that creates, and just on and on this, uh, this sort of uh, macabre dance that happens between our mind and our bodies, mm -hmm. um, all having to do with the release of stress hormones and whatnot. Um, and that will keep that stuff stuck for a really long time. But if you drop the story and just feel the sensations in your body of the emotion, man, it flows through. It's shocking. Amazing. So that's another process. That's another practice to pick up, you know? So uh, just a little bit change of a topic. Um, you are really big in uh, women in agile communities. Mm-hmm. 10 Women Strong has this slogan, live a life on purpose. Mm -hmm. What is your goal there? Well, I want to be careful because the 10 Women Strong organization and the programs are created by Carolyn Dragon, the woman who owns that company. One of the things I decided to do after the sale of Agile Coaching Institute was to not create my own thing, but to find people who are already doing things that I wanted to support or that I thought were important. And so Maria Mattarelli, one of the co-creators of Personal Agility System, that was one of the things I started supporting. And the other is 10 Women Strong, Carolyn Dragon, who came, is, comes to us from outside the 
agile coaching world, but I knew her in the professional coaching world. And we met in Coaches Training Institute Leadership Program more than 10 years ago now. And so, um, so I'm speaking really on behalf of those programs. I thought they were so important that we needed to bring them into the agile world um, because there are plenty of women in the agile world but not plenty of women who are named as thought leaders. When you, when you do this little test of like, who are the thought leaders in the agile world? You don't, you don't get even close to an equal representation of women and men's names. And so there are lots and lots of reasons for that. Many of them structural, um, but some of the reasons are the internal oppression that women put on themselves and that I myself have imbibed plenty of. And so the, 10 Women Strong programs help women just dismantle that stuff, just reprogram that stuff. Starting the authentic, creative, expressive is the process. So start authentically, like, who are you? Who are you? You know, take off all of those things that people put on you. Who are you? And um, explore creatively. You know, what are all the different creative aspects of yourself that you might not be bringing to your work or your life and why aren't you intermingling those things you know and women have discovered things about themselves that they had put on the shelf for years and years and have been able to bring that forward and then the final piece is live expressively what are you here to express and for some women it's deciding whether or not to stay in a marriage with an alcoholic spouse for other women it's deciding I'm gonna create. I'm gonna create that collaboration with that woman over there that I've been seeing for the last couple of years, who I think we really have something in common. You know, for some people, it's starting a business, leaving a job, whatever it is. So live a life on purpose is on her purpose, no one else's purpose, hers. So, and I'm wondering. Uh, we talked a lot about bringing professional coaching skills into agile world. And now you, as an agilist with world name, moved into and uh, associate with professional coaching folks and professional coaching people. What role of agile do you see that might play in professional coaching world? I think agile is the greatest excuse ever for all the things professional coaches talk about. Really, really. I mean, if I think about the stuff that the Coaches Training Institute has been trying for years to bring into organizations with their leadership programs, for example, it's all incredibly good stuff. I've been through that program myself. It totally changed my life. It's all good stuff. But without the scaffolding that the Agile frameworks provide and without the constant pressure that they provide by um, revealing impediments, by creating more transparency, by making it incredibly painful, for example, if there's not a product owner or if the manager keeps telling people what to do. So all of that, all that churning up of the stuff that can that we can sweep under the carpet, that's that's like gold for professional coaching skills. Right? So I think Agile is a cause creator for professional coaching. Mm, that's interesting perspective. So uh, for those professional coaches who are not agilists and who listen to us and they want kind of to wet their toes in agile, what would be your advice? Well, this is a dicey place actually, because we talked earlier about how 
professional coaching is such a different mindset that it's not like you just go learn about self-management and bang, you're good at self-management. It takes like a deconstruction and a reconstruction of who you are to expand your capacity to be good at self-management and a lot of practice. It's the same with Agile. So I want, I want professional coaches to be really careful here. It's not like you're going to go take a two-day class and then bang, you've got Agile and you can just jump in as an Agile coach. No, it's not. It is a completely different world and a completely different mindset and belief set about how organizations should work, how teams should work, how we should organize work in general. Um, now, it's a belief set that is consistent with professional coaching. So that's the good news totally consistent. I mean, it's like peanut butter and chocolate. It goes together great, right? But those are two separate things, peanut butter and chocolate, right? And so I think that I think that uh, I would caution professional coaches to take Agile seriously. Yeah, it's not a two-day class. So Lisa, what's on your desk that Agile community or professional coaching community for that matter? Uh, can get excited about and should be looking forward to? I have nothing on my desk right now, but I do have this inquiry that I am in, this really deep inquiry of what does a globally distributed group, a network of networks, if you will, of people who know how to work with change, What's our role? What's our role in our world? And it's an inquiry I really want to invite other people in with me. I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to join and help you to help. So uh, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been very insightful and very fascinating conversations. I personally learned a lot. Uh, and this has been uh, Tandem Coaching Academies, Keeping Agile Non-Denominational Podcast. We had Lisa Atkins today on our podcast, and we, are, we host Sheree Silas and Alex Kudna. Bye now. <laughs>